It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Thursday edition of the Lombardi Line presented by DraftKings alongside Michael Lombardi. Stormy Bonantoni with you and the one and only Mike Palm joining us for the last half hour today. Very excited. We'll get Palm's pressing three, all the good things. The stage, of course, is set for conference championship weekend. Two great games ahead. But, Michael, we're also very much so looking forward to Hollywood Harbaugh and Herbert coming together in Los Angeles. So he gets the head job in in L.A. officially. And then kind of a curveball today as well. Dave Canales, OC for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is now going to be the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. How do we take it all in? Well, let's start with Canales, right? So Canales is the offensive coach in, in Seattle. He got It was there from 2010 until last year. And during that time, he never was able to become the offensive coordinator of the, the Seattle Seahawks, whether it was Brian Schottenheimer, whether it was, uh, you know, uh, they brought in Shane Waldron from the Rams. So he leaves there to become, he gets his first coordinator job. And he does a really good job with the Bucks. They had no run game. He tried to run it earlier in the year. You look at his numbers, you know, and he tried to run it. He couldn't, they couldn't really. And then they made Baker a more, uh, complete player. They kind of got more out of Baker than the Panthers did last year. So I think that was the appeal. Plus Morgan and he worked together in Seattle. So there's a familiarity. And look, I'm not sure anybody was going to take it. I think what this move signals to us, Stormy, is this, is that they wanted Ben Johnson and that Washington has basically got Ben Johnson hired. There's nobody else going into Washington. I mean, I think they're going to be done with their interviews. So with with Ben Johnson saying, I don't want Carolina, I don't know if he's involved in Seattle. I don't think he is. But to me, this now says Washington has their guy, and there's probably two jobs open, Seattle and Atlanta. And Atlanta continues to parade people through. He's gonna, they're, they're, the modus operandi for this hire is simply this. Dave, you made Baker a good player. You need to make Bryce Young a good player. And if only it was that simple. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. But Michael, the, the big takeaway to me, and you can tell me if I'm like way off base here with this hire was that the outside group that Tepper brought in to make these decisions for their general manager and head coach, like, did that actually happen? Are we sure that's the reality of the situation? Because you hire (laughs) your general manager internally and then his head coach that your head coach is one of his buddies from Seattle. I mean, it's just, well, you can't make it up, Stormy. It's the NFL's way of having plausible deniability with plausible, de- you know, it's like, look, you're sitting here telling me you really want to win. You're committed to winning. You'll do anything you can to win. And you don't even bring Belichick in. You didn't even make a phone call to him. Crazy. I mean, if you're really that serious about winning, don't you do it? I mean, I mean, look, I could see Seattle not. Seattle got rid of a, of a legendary coach who's in his 70s. I could see John Snyder saying, look, we need to get some young, a younger coach in there. I got that. 
But when you need credibility and you need a stadium for Washington to put out a press release to say we're not interested in Belichick, for Carolina to not even make a call, and you need a stadium and these teams do, it's somewhat really ridiculous. But, you know, I mean, it's, it doesn't surprise me. The NFL has is, is never been about the – Bill Walsh said this to me years ago, 1984. Don't ever think, kid, the NFL is about the best and the brightest. And I really didn't know what he meant. But, you know, it doesn't matter how smart you are or how talented you might be. If you're not politically connected within the league, you ain't working. Trust me, you ain't not working. Well, and so that's, I think, even more so what makes the Bill Belichick of it all so confusing because his name is the one that we have heard most centered around the Atlanta Falcons. Yet we hear earlier today that, and on the Ringer podcast, as you referenced in hour one, that maybe there's some problems in terms of who wants control within the Atlanta Falcons building. And Bill Belichick, who has been a minus 400 favorite on DraftKings to go to the Atlanta Falcons, they're saying that they're exploring all of their options and that opening is still wide open and up in the air. Well, look, I mean, what they're saying is if they if they do not hire Bill, what they're saying to their fan base is they're saying we value Rich McKay running football operations. We value Terry Fontenot running the football team and we value whomever we pick as the coach over Belichick. That's what they're saying to you. That's exactly what they're saying. And if that makes sense to you, then you should do it. As a Falcon fan, if that's what you think. The whole reason why there's not a lot more heat on the Falcons or any other team to hire Belichick is because Belichick doesn't have control of the media like some of these coaches do, mm. right? He's not going to be able to cut it count to because he's not a friendly, lovable guy. He can't carry the Southern primary, so he can't get elected. You have to select Belichick, and very few people want to select him they, because it upsets the apple cart. But logically, if you were running a business, you would say, wait a minute, who is the best coach available? Ah, I got it. Why did it take Bill Walsh so long to get a head coaching job? Because the league, even though it's different then, is still the same today. And people don't want to give up that control. Only when you're desperate, which I thought Carolina was desperate. I thought Carolina and Washington had gotten to the point where their franchise were so ruined that the only way that they could get back from being ruined is to buy credibility. And yet Washington decided to buy a structure. Whether Adam Peters is the right guy or Ben Johnson, good luck. We're going to find out. Carolina, Dave Canales and Dan Morgan. Morgan's involved in every single decision within the building that have been there, right? He came in with Scott Federer. And now it's his show. God bless. Well, let's keep going down the road then of struggling franchises because the Las Vegas Raiders obviously fired McDaniels midseason and they bring Antonio Pierce up in the interim, decide that he's going to be the guy moving forward. And they just introduced their new general manager, Tom Telesco, who coincidentally got fired immediately following the Raiders win over the Los Angeles Chargers earlier this season, that historic, embarrassing loss for the Chargers. But we know the success that Telesco has had from a draft perspective from a head coach coach decision perspective, not so great from the paying of players, not so great. What did you make of the move when you first heard Telesco was the guy? Well, I think to me, Telesco was really the compromise candidate, right? There was a strong movement within the Raider organization from their president through everybody else that they wanted Champ Champ Kelly to be the guy. And and when they brought other people in to interview, you know, they made it very clear, some of them did, that they, if they got the job, they would not keep Champ Kelly, that, that it was going to be their program, which you would, you would understand, right? But I think Telesco came in for that second interview, and he said, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'll stay status quo. We saw Champ Kelly release a huge, you know, thing about, you know, all the stuff, and he'll stay along. And I think ultimately that be- he became the compromise candidate. And what Mark Davis said was, look, I need somebody who's got experience right. of being a general manager because I have a head coach who doesn't. Now, he is stacking up himself up with a really challenging time now because he's got to face Sean Payton. He's got to face Jim Harbaugh and he's got to face Andy Reid. And Harbaugh's going to make the Chargers a much better team document that six and ten his first year he took over six and ten team in san francisco and they win 13 his first year made alex smith a really good player right alex smith they wanted to run out of town he kept him so this is going to be a hard job for antonio pierce who brings no real experience now he hired marvin lewis that'll help because he's got some experience 
But, but this is going to be hard. Telesco doesn't know the Raider way. And every, the more I listen to Antonio Pierce talk, he doesn't understand the Raider way. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because he spoke to media yesterday in that press conference talking a lot about the the culture and philosophy that he's trying to create, bringing it back to those legendary days of the Oakland Raiders. Let's take a listen. Our philosophy is simple. It's real simple. It's the Raider way. Pride, poise, poise passionate. A love for the game and just win. I don't think everybody's meant to be for the Raiders. I don't think everybody's meant to play for the Raiders or coach for the Raiders. I think that's going to be something I really dig into as we go into that process. And Michael, we know the players certainly <laughs> pushed hard to, for him, right? Of course they did. He's of a great talker. But yeah. beyond that, what else is there? Well, we're going to find out, right? Yeah. We're going to find out. Football's a very technical sport. Football's a strategy sport. Football requires really making a lot of good decisions during the game, a lot of fast decisions. It requires preparation. It requires knowledge, right? You know, Annie Duke, the great poker player who wrote a book called Thinking and Bets, she just had a tweet that really, to me, is really true. And this, this, this kind of really defines what a head coach's role is. Success does not lie in sticking to things. It lies in picking the right thing to stick to and quitting the rest. Okay. That's really ultimately what great teams do, right? If you want to stick to Rich McKay and Terry Fontenot and their staff, then you're hoping that's the right thing. You're hoping. If you want Antonio Pierce, does he understand what to stick to and what to quit? I think that's the hard part of the job. And three years from now or two years from now, whether it's Brian Callahan, whether it's Dave Canales, whether it's any of these guys who are first-time head coaches, they're all going to say, you know, I had no idea what the job was when I got it. They all say it. They all say it. And the only ones that survive are the ones that get through those first couple of years with help from other people. Well, you certainly, you, you hope for the best. You want the organization. You never want anybody to fail. I hope that it works out for them. I think that they, as a franchise, probably felt a lot of regret from the team and the players really thriving under Rich Bisaccia and then going in another direction and bringing somebody from the outside in this year. They are giving into that, and we'll see what ultimately happens with Antonio Pierce. But boy, what a difference a year makes when you go from having to step down as the defensive coordinator at Arizona State for the NCAA violations, and then now you're the head coach of the Vegas. What were the Raiders. odds on that, Stormy? Would you have bet that? Would you have like? A, would you have Who put that would? in one of your parlays? God. I mean, this, huh? What odds am I getting? A million to one? Like it's just crazy. I mean, that had to be more. I would have to ask Mike Palm to handicap that for us. <laughs> like seriously, like what will we like? Ugh. Really? Like he got this? Look, you know, it, here's what I'll say about any of these coaches. It, it's wonderful you get the job, and it's great that we're having more diverse equity within the league. But the real goal is to keep the job, not get Correct. the job. That's the real goal. Well, and that's why I hope, to your point, that he does get the the proper surrounding cast and mentality that they're able to have success because it's, I mean, I live here in Vegas. It's better for the city if they're winning. So let's get to it. We got to go to the conference championship weekend when we come back. Different game or more of the same from what we saw in the divisional round. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. With Omaha Steaks, you'll fall in love at first bite. With their tender steaks, burgers, air-chilled chicken, and more, you're going to love every second. It's an Omaha Steaks guarantee. And for a limited time, when you go to omahasteaks.com slash vsin, you'll get four free air-chilled boneless chicken breasts and four free rich boneless pork chops with your order. Minimum purchase may apply. Stormy Bon and Tony, alongside the three-time Super Bowl-winning executive and strategist, Michael Lombardi. And as we get into some of this conference championship talk, uh, we're going to look at different game more of the same it's a staple we always do on a Thursday here we're gonna look at certain units for the teams remaining whether or not we're gonna see similar performances the divisional round here in the conference championship or not but I did want to make note real quickly Michael just because specifically in this NFC championship game the Lions mm-hmm. are now getting seven and a half points despite 66 percent of the bets coming in on this team just 47 percent of the handle has been bet on Detroit at this point and I, I do think that that's worth noting seven and a half are our spread there 51 and a half the total yeah I think a lot of this is back to once we take a step back and we say okay and I wrote about this on Tuesday for VEASAN is how good are the Lions? Are, are, do they belong here? And their mental toughness and physical toughness certainly does. But we saw them get shut out in the second half against the Rams. They scored three points. And we really felt like the Rams, after that game, maybe they're the better team. And then they played the Bucks, and we thought the Bucks might be the better team. And the Bucks made some too many critical mistakes at critical moments. And credit the Lions. Look, the Lions deserve to be here. I'm not disputing them. But what I'm trying to do is understand that if the book is willing to give you seven and a half, right, if they're willing to let you take it down in your famous teaser play Mm. and they're willing to give you that half point over the seven, then the sharp money, it's not the public, are saying we've handicapped this game where they're the better team. And when you break their defense down, they're five and four on the road. You know, they've give up a ton of yards in the air, right? They give up a ton of yards in the air. And you're saying to yourself, look, The Lions might be able to move the ball for a period of time in this game against the 49ers, but eventually that'll slow down. What won't slow down is the 49ers' ability to move the ball. Because Nick Mullins, if you add up Nick Mullins' two games against the Lions, Nick Mullins averaged 400 yards. The Lions' offense averaged 400 yards. Nick Mullins threw for 411, and he threw for 396. So in two games against Nick Mullins, Nick Mullins, mind mm. you, Nick Mullins, I'll say it again, they averaged they averaged 400 yards, over 400 yards. That's moving the line. That's moving the line. And Kyle Shanahan can watch that tape and say, well, you say, well, you don't have Debo. Do you need Debo? Mm. I mean, you're going to need Debo to beat Baltimore if you get there. You're going to need Debo to get Baltimore to get there. But do you need him? So with that, I think I already know your answer, but as we start different game or more of the same, let's start by looking at that Lions defense and what we saw specifically in the divisional round, because another game where they give up over 400 total yards, 319 of them through the air, 23 total points allowed though, 23 first downs allowed 6.8 yards per play. And the, the bucks in that spot, three for three for the red zone touchdowns allowed. So different game or more of the same. sounds like more of the same against San Francisco. 
I would be shocked. I mean, they can't. Look, the one thing we've known about the Lions all year, whenever they played a good offense, whether it's the Cowboys, you know, whether it was Baltimore, they're going to struggle, right? They're going to struggle. Now, give them credit. They make plays when they have to. I wrote this in my column, and I I put there, you know, there's only one quarterback on this that didn't throw for over 200 yards. That was Justin Fields. Like, everybody does. (laughs) You know, everybody does. So, like, don't expect them to come in there. Now, Look, we know the 49ers offensive line, if it's a drop back pass game, becomes issue. We also know it's hard to run the ball on the Lions, except we saw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers run the ball effectively. So I think one of the things that if you're playing San Francisco, you're saying to yourself that they had a bad week and they're, they know how lucky they are to get right. here. They know that it took a lot to get here and, it, and we were fortunate. A lot of things, the ball bounced in our favor. We can't risk this anymore. And I happen to think, you know, it's like when we beat Baltimore in 2014, you know, my sense of that was, well, you know, I mean, look, you know, we're, we're playing Andrew Luck and the, and the Colts. That was it. We just played the hardest game. I think that the 49ers played the hardest game, actually. I'm in complete agreement with you. And I, I've on the record earlier this week saying, I think that the 49ers are going to win this game by double digits. I, that could come to bite me, I'm sure. But that's just my thought process at this point. Because you did bring up the Debo Samuel of it all, I am curious how much you feel with or without him it does affect what they're going to try to do because the numbers do show that they've struggled to maneuver that offense without him. You look at 53 and 23, 30 games over 500 um, with him in the lineup, eight and nine, including this year with that wonky midseason losing streak that they had without him. And they're 0 and three ATS their last three games without Debo Samuel on the field. I think he's a great player, but I think when you have a week to prepare, you can overcome it. Right. You may not be able to do the positionless positions. Right. You may not be able to put Debo in the backfield and have to handle him. And you may give up some yards after the catch because we know this Debo's great with the ball in his hands. We understand that. Right. And so but now you got a week to figure it out. You've got time. And we saw last week that, you know, if you understand how to attack this Detroit defense, you're going to be able to make some plays. And I think Kyle having the week to prepare under the idea that he doesn't have Debo. If he has Debo, it's a plus, right? I think it, it, it then allows you to kind of work and orchestrate things. It's maybe it's more McCaffrey, maybe it's more Kittle, maybe it's more Ayuk. It's going to be some some other version of it. And this secondary for Detroit's going to have trouble playing against anybody. I mean, look, Cooper Cup didn't really make any plays against Detroit. It was it was uh, 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 Puka. Uh, with, uh, Puka. It was Puka making all the plays, right? And so you know, and then they were able to run the ball a little bit. I, I think to me, yeah, I I get the numbers. I get that, but you know, I, I haven't gone back and seen all these numbers. I, I take with a grain of salt because who was the quarterback when he wasn't in the game? Yeah, and that, that's a good point. And this year, too, we know that during that losing streak, there were a lot of other elements, too. When you think about Trent Williams, when you think about Brock Purdy and the concussion, and it, there are other elements specifically geared to this year, but it is hard to ignore. You see 12-1 and one with Debo Samuel on the field, and then we know the record with him without. But let's go to the AFC side of things here because the Kansas City Chiefs, for as much as we talked bad on their offense being different this year and all of the wide receiver drops leading the NFL in drops at the position for them these last handful of games to really turn things around I wonder how much of that is because of them and because of the offensive line play stepping up like they did last week or because of the defenses that they're playing and the injury plaguedness of them but as far as the divisional round goes 361 total yards 7.7 yards per play 27 points scored they seem to move the the ball at will and did not allow a sack at all that offensive line did so different game or more of the same against the Ravens defense we know is more stout and healthy I think it's a different game because I, th- I really think I think there's a couple of misconceptions going around the league right now that the, the Dallas Cowboys underachieved and the Bills have a great defense. Like, I don't think the, I don't think the Cowboys underachieved. I think they overachieved, frankly. I think the Bills don't have a great defense. I mean, if you watch the tape of the game and you see how they got pushed around by the Kansas City offensive line, you can't say that's a great defense. Now, in fairness, they didn't have Milano. They didn't have Bernard. OK, but their defensive front got pushed around. I mean, when the, when the Chiefs come into town and average 6.1 yards per carry against you, and for whatever reason they decided to give Hardman the ball as opposed to Pacheco, you know, that game's over with. That's a 10-point win for them, which is what it should have been. 
Like, I think Buffalo has this – everybody talks about Buffalo being this really talented defensive team, and they're not. They're really not. They now play from in front. Some Against certain teams, they can rush the passer. I mean, I kept saying this all last week, Stormy. Pittsburgh moved the ball up and down the field on them. I mean, Mason, that was with Mason Rudolph, and they turned it over. Like, they turned it over, and they still had a chance. I mean, I don't think Mike Tomlin walked off that field thinking, man, we just played one of great defenses. I mean, I'm, I'm sh- I know he didn't. But this chief offense, you know, took advantage of it. But this week's a different game. Kelsey still isn't running with great th- with speed down the field, right? It's going to be harder to run the ball on Baltimore. Without Tooney at left tackle, the strength of Baltimore, whether it's Pierce or their other defensive tackle who's an elite player, is going to hold the inside. They can rush on these edges. They're going to be playing on the road again. They're going to put more pressure on Mahomes, and they're going to be able to play man-to-man with confidence. Like, they're not scared of the receivers of Kansas City. They're not going to be. And I think that's going to be the difference. I, I always am suspicious, and you've been doing this way longer than I have in terms of the – but when the book's willing to give you three and a half and go to four, it seems like they're saying, we're going to trap you. We're going to trap you into this. That's Maybe, Michael, that's a segment that we need to do moving forward. Is it a trap? Because there are a lot of lines out there that just stare at you, and you're like, okay – this seems too good to be true or why is this happening? And I, I certainly think that this is one of those lines. The thing that consistently trips me up with Kansas city is every situation where we think that this is the year they're vulnerable, or we think that this is, this is the time where just things aren't going to work out for them. They end up proving us all wrong and not only covering, but winning these games outright. And it's just, it blows my mind that it's Patrick Mahomes, it's Andy Reid, and there's not much you can say about it. So this might be the biggest stay away game of them all to me. Um, Although I did earlier this week because I have a problem, it's an addiction, but I'm working on it. I do have a teaser where I brought them up to nine and a half, but neither here nor there. We can worry about that another day. I love it. I love it. Hey, look, the first step, Stormy, is admitting you have it. That's the first step, right? We got to admit we have it. And then we go from there. And apparently I just keep putting them in my bed slip. We'll be right back. Mike Palm, VP of Operations here at Circa, joining us for the final 30. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN, the sports betting network. Start your morning with a daily dose of winning strategies, insider tips, and the latest buzz with the free VEASAN daily newsletter. In today's newsletter, Adam Burke details the latest in the NFL coaching carousel. Five jobs filled, including Jim Harbaugh's hiring in L.A., which adjusted the Chargers' 2025 Super Bowl odds from 30-1 to to 25-1. to And uh, let's get into all things coaching carousel in a moment. VEASAN.com slash newsletter, by the way, where you can subscribe. But Mike Palm joins us live in studio, VP of Operations here at Circa alongside Michael Lombardi and myself, Stormy Bonantoni. But I mean, Harbaugh, the big news of the day, he's won at every single stop. Do you think he has an immediate impact in LA? I don't. I'm going to fade him. I hope that their win total goes to nine and a half, Michael. Why? Because I think he will want to build the team the way he's built his other teams with the line. And I think he either drafts the kid from Notre Dame or Penn State with the fifth pick. I, I think he's got the cachet at this point having just won a national title, that he doesn't have to win 12 games next year to prove himself. I, I understand Stanford, he went from 1-11, they were 1-11, 4-8. 5-7 Michigan to 10-3. And, and then the Niners hadn't been in the playoffs in 10 years, 6-10 to 13-3. I'm not sold on that quarterback, to tell you the truth. I'm not sold that he's a generational quarterback or that he's a top five for 10 years going to be quarterback. So I think Harbaugh will do this the right way and build. If the total's eight and a half or nine, I'll pass. But if I can get nine and a half, I'll go under nine and a half. Wow. I, I, I think to me, I agree with you. He's going to build, but he's so competitive that look, they, they lost so many close games, right? They lost so many close games that a good coach is going to win some of those games. A good team that's built around is going to win some of those close games. Now, you know, he's going to have to get the roster kind of handled and all that. But uh, I, I think ultimately at the end of the day, yeah, I think he's going to make this look. Let me say this to you. Following Brendan Staley for him, is not going to be a challenge. Well, the, the 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 real thing, the real if there was any intrigue in this whole thing was, 
was Spanos going to actually pay for a coach? Was it, uh, Schottenheimer had to be the last coach they paid a high market value for. Everybody else has been a low, right. prof, low profile, never had a head coaching job before guy, right? That they could yeah. pay under market. Now I'm sure they had to pay him. I know he's, I'm interviewing in Atlanta. I'm interviewing, you know, and all of that. So I'm sure when it comes out, it'll be a big number, but uh, I want to go I, to the, I, go ahead, Michael. I think this, Mike, I think this, Mike, I think to me, if you know they're having some, in, there's a lawsuit going on about uh, the team, and the, and the I think Spanos's one daughter, his sister, is fighting the control of who runs the team, and so I just have an instinct. I think to me, some of those guys that sit in that room, these 32 owners that saw Dan Snyder make eight, seven, six point one billion dollars, you know, you're sitting on a huge nest egg. And I think to me that nest egg becomes more enticing with Harbaugh than it does if you don't if you hire Ben Johnson. And I'm not suggesting they're going to sell the team, but they're going to have to get their hands around the, the this family problem that typically comes with families that have these NFL teams. We saw it with the Bolin family. The sister wanted to run the team, yada yada yada. So for me, I, I think there's more. I think the reason they there's a reason they paid and went outside of their comfort zone, and I think that's the reason. What do you think their division record is next year? Well, I think they'll beat the Raiders twice. You know, I think they will. I think I think he'll beat. I mean, they. I think they'll have a chance. They've always played Kansas City well. I think they could split. I think they'll win. For, they'll be four and two. Really. That's just a guess. Look, the Raiders, we, we, we're all obsessed with this Antonio Pierce conversation. They don't have a quarterback. And I hate to break the news to the Raider fan. It ain't Aiden. It ain't, it's not Aiden. It's not him. Yeah. Aiden O'Connell. It's not him. Like, who's it going to be? Where are they getting one? That's cool. You know, they're going to try to do everything in their power to move up to get Dan, Jaden Daniels because Antonio Pierce coached him at Arizona State. But that ain't going to happen. Let's flip it to the opposite side. The school that Harbaugh is leaving, and we were on air on primetime yesterday when the news broke that Harbaugh had accepted the Chargers job. And Tim Murray wondered, when's the last time a national championship coach didn't return to his team? I said, I probably Tom Osborne after the 97 season, the 98 Orange Bowl. That was, in fact, the right answer, which led to the most precipitous fall in the history of college football of a program from Nebraska winning three out of four and five titles between him and Devaney and being perennial top 10 to they're a bottom third power five team, maybe lower than that. Maybe you can say they're a bottom fourth. what that program has become. What do you think happens at Michigan? All of a sudden, here comes Washington and Oregon into the Big Ten. Oh, by the way, Ohio State mo- might be the most talented team next year. Everyone's going Georgia, there. Georgia, Ohio State, right? What happens to Michigan? Could we see happen to Michigan what happened at the University of Nebraska? Well, I, I think, look, the tradition, the Nebraska, there's a little bit of reasons why that happened. The recruiting thing changed, right? They were making, when Osborne was really running that program, they could get into Los Angeles. They were dominating Houston and Texas. They were a national recruiting base. And then all of us, because they were on TV all the time. And that, when that changed, all of a sudden, Nebraska became, hey, they're out there in the middle of nowhere, you know? The only thing people talked about Nebraska in my world was Springsteen had an album called Nebraska. So, you know, I think the history is gone. I, Michigan Michigan's uniforms are going to sell to kids no matter who the coach is. Now, it's not going to be the level that Michigan wants. We saw that with, you know, with when they've hired other coaches. I think Moore gives a chance for stability. And he's got to be able to keep things intact. And that's the hard thing. We saw Marcus Freeman be able to struggle a little bit early in Notre Dame. It seems like he's got it back again. But they have talent at Michigan. And that talent comes from really right around the corner. It doesn't come from we got to go to Florida. It comes from where they are, Ohio, Michigan. Wisconsin. It comes from the Midwest, and there's a lot of talent there. Whereas Nebraska, they had to go, and then they, Nebraska lost their, their 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 walk-on program when the rules changed. Remember, they used to get walk-ons. The the the, the all the 4-H clubs in Nebraska were sponsoring the best player in the county to go there, and he didn't have to pay for tuition. They were picking up five, six, eight eight players that they could redshirt, gray shirt, and then move on. And they had these, they had an older team that, that changed. Your uh, good friend, your buddy, Fanny pack, Vic Fangio uh, was about 12 hours on the market before he wound up in Philadelphia. Was his departure from Miami more his decision or the Dolphins decision? 
Well, I think it was I think it was mutual. I, I think the reason he was it lasted 12 hours was he probably went in there and said, look, it ain't working. Drew Rosenhaus was just on WIP here in Philadelphia talking about th- that he alienated some of the players down there. This was not a good marriage for Vic. Uh, Mike McDaniel, everything's going to be great to Vic is everything's not great. You know, Vic is one of those guys who takes the approach of you know, we're not good enough. We need to get better. And Mike's all happy because, look, Tua's, you know, even though he throws the ball in the dirt and underthrows throws, he's the greatest player we've ever seen. So it really wasn't ever a match. I mean, Mike wants to go to Dairy Queen after the game. And Vic, he wants to go to, he wants to complain. So uh, after the win. So I, I think that was, I think that that was prearranged, to be honest with you. It was probably, it took place behind the scenes. Vic, can you get out of that gig? I don't want to be here anymore. Tell my agent to get me out. Tell my Chris Greer, I want out of here. Okay, we'll let you go. Goodbye. Yeah, and like we talked about earlier, too, like he wanted to be there last year, but they didn't know what was going to happen with Jonathan Gannon for such a long time. He ultimately goes to the Cardinals. But also we had the Dave Canales news that comes through today in conjunction with Dan Morgan being named their GM despite him being internal and having to bring in every single meeting and room with Scott Fitterer as he was making those decisions. How do you think that Carolina looks moving forward with this new structure? Well, who would go there with Tepper? I mean, that's yeah. the thing. So it'll be interesting. We'll talk a little bit more in the, in the, the pressing three about the jobs that are still open i i just say michael we're about 80 hours away from the nfc championship game kicking off in san francisco 42 years later from what i think was one of the top two or three seed change games is games in nfl history the 81 championship game played in january of 82 the catch is what we all know it as but right really ending the cowboys dominant in the nfc as they would lose two more championship games and the rise of your friend bill walsh and that program but i was looking at and you know i thought this game was just tremendous there was the the NFL Today crew with Brent and the former Miss America, Phyllis George, and the great Eagles receiver, Erd Cross. Dr. Jim Tunney, who, in my opinion, was the best official in the game, was on the game. And then you had these two coaching staffs, right? Think about Landry's staff. Of course, Stotner was there, but John Makovic was the quarterback coach. He goes on to coach the Chiefs and, of course, the University of Texas. Mike Ditka was the wide receivers coach on that team. Gene Stallings was the DB coach. He goes on to coach Alabama to a national title. And then, of course, Bill Walsh had Chuck Studley. Sam Weish, who would six or seven years later meet him in the Super Bowl as the coach of the Bengals. George Seifert, who would take over and win a Super Bowl there. And, and Ray Rhodes was a defensive back coach on that team, too. So much history involved in that game. So much. And it changed the 49ers fortune, right? They went from two and 14, two and 14 to, to win in that game. And it put them, it put them on a trajectory. And then the win over Cincinnati in the Super Bowl. to me, that that's kind of how you have to get there today. You go two and 14, two years in a row, you're probably not going to be coaching the team anymore. That That's the biggest issue. But you know, I was going to ask you, I know we got to go to break, but I want to know about these lines moving over the key numbers has me, are we falling into a trap? We'll hit that and palms pressing three when we return on the Lombardi line. Stay with us. We'll be back after a quick timeout. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. 
I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League postseason, is bringing you an offer that will help make the playoffs that much more electrifying. New customers can bet 5 bucks on either of the conference championship games this weekend to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code VSIN only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Again, use that code VSIN, V-S-I-N. The crown is yours. Alongside Michael Lombardi, Stormy Bonantoni with you as we wrap things up here on the Lombardi line. Mike Palm, VP of Operations here at Circa Resort and Casino in studio with us. We'll get to Palms pressing three in a moment. But first, let's talk a little conference championship weekend. Michael, teed you up before the break saying, are these lines a little bit of a trap? Well, I mean, we're going to, I'm certain we will need the Chiefs uh, in the first game. And I'm certain that we're going to need the 49ers in the second game. The the money is going to be on the Ravens and on the Lions. And if Debo doesn't play, if for some reason he gets ruled out, that number's got to move at least a half, if not a full point, I think down to six. I... I'm conflicted on the first game, Michael, because I think, you know, I was asked a question yesterday with the mall and in our debate segment, but by Dustin in front of of your former co-host, Patrick, who's one of the judges, what's the best unit playing on Sunday? I think it's the Ravens defense, um, Mm -hmm. sixth in scoring, number one in points. They didn't let the Texans as hot as they were even inside their own 25 the entire game. But then I keep going with the narrative, this is still Mahomes and it's still Andy Reid. And it's still, this is their sixth consecutive championship game. We talk about, you know, when Reid went to four with Philadelphia and Landry losing three. And I mean, how hard that is to do. Six! And they haven't been beaten in regulation in any of them. So I think I'm going to end up just watching this game and hoping it's a great game and not having any action on it. I took seven with Detroit. I bet the Detroit team total over 20 and a half. In my mind, if there's one thing I know will happen on Sunday, I think the Lions can run the football. Yeah, I do too. And I think they got to run the football and they got to keep the clock moving because they've got to limit the amount of time. Now, look, time of possession is meaningless because we saw Kansas City have the ball for 22 minutes, had the lowest play total they had last week against Buffalo, 57 plays since 2021. And yet they were able to average over seven yards a play. So it's what you do with the ball. Five third downs is all Kansas City had last week. But this defense is a little different. That Buffalo defense to me was never good. We saw, we saw Kyle Mason and Rudolph move the ball up and down the field on them. So I'm with you. I think Baltimore's defense is the best unit of all the four units when we talk about them. Yeah, and I think, you know, the Chiefs have had to go against two teams consecutive weeks now in the playoffs whose linebacking core was decimated, and they were able to attack the middle of the field. This is not the case with the Ravens. No. Not the case no. whatsoever. So, I mean, I, Rishi Rice is going to have to have a big game and, emerge, you know, be a number one. Pacheco's going to have to be healthy and be able to run the ball. And I'm not saying they can't win it, right? And I'm not – Right. I thought um, Munkin was a little tight in the first half. You know, and D'Amico broke tendencies and blitz, 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 blitz. But they made terrific second half adjustments, I thought. Uh, And get the ball quick out of Lamar's hand. Quick, 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 quick. They scored every possession in the second half. It was complete domination. Uh, And and that's the key to the game. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things I think you got to respect is 
is these teams can adjust. Now, the Lions struggled to adjust against Raheem Morris in that Ram game. Remember, they got three points to that 89 yards in the fourth quarter, in the second half. They struggled. And that's where you get a little bit worried. You know, this is the first time that Ben Johnson's going to do it. This is the first time Dan Campbell's going to do it. Whereas Harbaugh has done it. Kyle's done it. And obviously Andy Reid. Um, before we move too far off these conference championship games, obviously Derek, owner and CEO here of Circa, Golden Gate in the D, he's a huge Detroit Lions, Detroit everything. You guys are doing something <laughs> a little special for the game, I understand? Well, you know, he went to, he bought a suite uh, and had such a great experience at Ford Field last week, and he decided he's going to the NFC championship game. So we're running a promotion. You know, every time the Raiders had a home game, we had this huddle up where we'd have drinks on Friday night from seven to nine with the fans of the visiting team. Remember famously, the Jets had 300 people here, huge crowds from the Packers, uh, Vikings, Steelers throughout the course of the year. We're going to do a double huddle up Friday night, seven to nine and Saturday night, seven to nine. And we're doing a drawing. We're giving away free play drinks and then a hotel stay, all this kind of stuff. Uh, but the grand prize is two tickets to fly with Derek Sunday to go to the NFC Championship game at Levi Stadium. Um, you earn a ticket each night by showing up with your gear on, but then you can earn a total of 10. The max entries is 10 per person in this drawing. For every $100 you bet on a prop on the NFC Championship game, you also get a ticket. So Jeff Benson and his crew have the tickets. Put them all on the drum. We'll draw a bunch of prizes. But the big prize is you get to go to the game with Derek. Awesome. That's so good. So cool. That's, and you get to come home with them too, right? You get to go to the yeah. game and come home. It's yeah. a round and trip I, ticket, right? And I love what you were saying earlier too. If it's a 49ers fan, he will not be sitting anywhere near Derek at the game. I Cannot remember do the it. 2012 <laughs> World, the World Series, the Giants and, and, and the Tigers. The first time I was getting to know Derek, a guy was sitting like five seats down yeah. at Long Bar cheering for the Giants. Nope. That, that, that didn't go well. I'm the same way. Need to be yeah. around like-minded individuals. Okay, let's go. Palms pressing. Hot house orchids. Okay, uh, Michael, it's really only two questions because we covered the Harbaugh. How much of win total difference would he make in year one? So question one is all these coaching carousels, college and pro fascinating in this this season after the regular seasons in both. And we hear all about Carolina, all the interviews at Carolina, all the interviews in Atlanta, Bill back and forth. He won't go to a major media. Is it Atlanta's number six? And, and what happened with San Diego? Every time they, they called somebody, every, it was noted. What's going on in Seattle? We hear nothing about the Seahawks job. What are you hearing, Michael? Well, I hear that, you know, John Schneider, this is the first time he's had a chance. He's been in the organization since Pete got there. This is his first opportunity to put his signature on the team and hire a coach. And he's been going through the process. He's been doing the interviewing. And he's a really good football man. He understands how to build a team. He understands what he wants. My understanding of what they're looking for is more accountability. I think, to me, uh, what happened up there and Pete's way of doing it was everybody's going to Dairy Queen afterwards. We're all happy. But I think they need a little bit more of that. Quinn was the rumored to be favorite. Patrick Graham is involved in this. I know he would like to find an offensive coach, but I'm not sure he feels comfortable with one out there. But I would suspect fairly soon they're going to make a choice. They're bringing all these guys back. I heard Graham was the front runner. I've heard Quinn's been the front runner. Raheem Morris has been up there. Uh, this will be somebody that I think fits what, what John Snyder views as the needs of what his team needs right now talked about the coaches and you talked about Dan Campbell and Ben Johnson and not having been in the spot but I worry about somebody that's been in the spot multiple times it's not Andy Reid and it's not John Harbaugh how about Shanahan when you're handicapping this game how much of his resume which has I know he was a coordinator but has the colossal collapse in the Super Bowl where they don't kick they take the sack and don't kick the field goal and the Patriots come all the way back and beat them they blow a 10-point lead to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, and I thought he was so tight last week, so tight at the end of the first half. What was he doing there, not having any confidence in his offense? They looked lost without Debo until the final drive. How much do you worry about Kyle Shanahan coming up small in a big spot, especially when you know you got a guy like Campbell who will gamble? And if those gambles right. pay off, it might be a big advantage in this game. It, it could, but one thing you know about playing a guy who's going to gamble – you expect the gamble. You expect an onside kick. You expect going for it on fourth down. You know, you expect the fake punt. So they've got that going in. Look, I think this is a game which sets up perfectly for Kyle's ability because he can maneuver his offense around a defense that is slow. They're slow on turf. I mean, look at the last five games that they've played defensively against bad quarterback. I mean, Nick Mullins averaged 400 yards against them passing. Kyle's going to get his. And I don't think that Aaron Glenn has an answer. Now, he's got to protect. 
They've got to protect. They've got to keep, you know, Hutchinson from beating them. They've got to keep the inside from pressuring those guards, which they're weak. But I don't think he's going to panic. I think last week was the one where he was really concerned because his, he couldn't get control of the game because his quarterback wasn't just making simple throws. I think this week he will. I want to go back to the first question. I didn't get a chance to ask you this about Dan Quinn was presumed. Did he blow the game off that performance against the Packers? Michael, they're down three scores in the second half. They're running the ball effectively with Jones. The Packers are, and Quinn is keeping six in the box only. He, the, yeah, the run no. fits were so deep. What was he doing? They had no run fits. I mean, it, it, to me, this has been a concern. You know, you, you want to say Dan's better than he was when Atlanta. I think Raheem Morris is better than he was in Tampa. You know, that tape doesn't really lie. Now, Quinn's got a history in the building, and it's a Pete Carroll history. So that maybe that does help him. But if I'm John Schneider and I want to, I want to respect and honor Pete, which he's done a great job of, I also want to put my signature on this team and kind of go outside that and find somebody that I think can help cure the L's of, and defensively, they were horrible defensively. They were bad defensively running, and they didn't even run Pete's scheme. So I'm with you. I think that Dan has hurt himself because I really think Dallas is hoping he gets a job. Not that they're going to fire him. I'm not saying that. But I think Dallas feels like they've got to change a little bit too. Very interesting. Uh, and we'll see what happens with these final openings that are available to this point. I'm still just very, very curious about the Bill Belichick of it all and everything that's going on with Atlanta. Well, well, you know, Atlanta would be better off with what they have and add a coach than they would be hiring a six-time Super Bowl winner. We know that. <laughs> Just wonderful decision makers there. Awesome stuff, as always. Thank you to Mike Palm for joining Thank you, us Mike in Palm. studio. Awesome job. Thank Mike Somich for joining us in hour one as well. Keep it locked right here. Sharp Money is coming up next on VSIN, Pablo Torre on DraftKings Network. That's a wrap for us. Good luck with your bets. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.